our country is being invaded and it's only going to get worse. This is the kickoff to the pregame to the biggest, most brazen, most dangerous and most egregious run on our border this country has ever seen. I'm mad as hell and you should be too. The show starts now. Title 42, the last and only remaining hindrance to mass illegal immigration left in place under Joe Biden, expires tomorrow. But who are we kidding? 6.3 million illegal immigrants into this country that we know of, including at least 100 on the terror watch list, already qualified as a mass invasion long ago. What we're going to see after Title 42 expires can't even be classified as an invasion because you can't invade something that doesn't protect or defend itself. Look at this footage. Hundreds of thousands amassing to rush our border. El Paso and other border towns are completely overrun, looking like third world countries. And we can't even call it catch and release because there is no catch and no release. It's just come right the hell on in. We invite you to tap dance on the face of national security, border security, American citizens, and the illegal immigrants who had the decency to do it the right way. I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach and I'm outraged. I can't imagine what our border agents are going through right now, but I'm about to find out. Joining me now with what you need to know is the man with enough stones to tell the truth about it all, National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd. Brandon, it's so great to have you on such an important week for our country. Tommy, I wish I could say it's good to be with you, but unfortunately, under these circumstances, absolutely not. It's monstrous what we're currently seeing on the border, and it's going to hurt the American people. And it, it upsets Border Patrol agents like there's no tomorrow. We are thoroughly disgusted with President Biden. I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, I've had the opportunity to spend time with Border Patrol agents, and I know that they take that responsibility to protect and defend this nation so seriously. About 50%, by the way, Latino, Hispanic, that have immigrated to this country legally. So they respect this country perhaps even more than your average American. And what we're seeing right now, I can't even, I can't even put it into words, to be honest with you, but I want to get down to the bottom of what's going on down there. We know Fox News, our drones are down there capturing this madness, pretty much the only ones in the media that want to tell the truth about it. But we're hearing also that this isn't even going to be catch and release. This is just going to be, we're going to let you come in because we do not have the resources, the NGOs, the anything to process these people. Is that what's really going to happen down there? It is. And it's happening right now as we speak. It started happening. But until we understand what the context of those numbers mean, that all they are is numbers. When we apprehend a thousand people, we have the resources to deal with that. A thousand people per day. We have the resources to deal with that. Once we hit 3000 people, we're pulling resources out of the field, which leaves gaps in our coverage. Five thousand people. Now we only have 50 percent of our resource in the field. We're at 10,000 apprehensions as we speak. That means we only have 30% of our Border Patrol agents that are actively patrolling the border. And when we only have 30% of our Border Patrol agents on the border, that means the cartels have almost complete control. Once that number goes up, once Title 42 goes away and we're apprehending between 15 and 16,000 people a day, that means we're only going to have 10% of our resources on the border and the cartels are going to control every single inch of our southwest border. That means drugs are going to flow into the United States, criminal aliens are going to flow into the United States. And as you mentioned, people on the terrorist watch list, people from special interest countries are also going to flow into the United States. And not even just the dangerous aspect of the ones that are going to be sneaking in because of the gaps in the coverage. 
I also look at just these tens of thousands of people, over six million since Biden took office, and I'm wondering, how is our country going to absorb that mass amount of people? I mean, we know our border cities, our border states are already overrun, but you can't even fit six million plus people. And now we're going to see tens of thousands coming in over the next couple of weeks, and it's never going to stop. Where are these people going to go? Are they going to have a notice to appear or are they just going to be released? And I guess we just leave it at that. Right now, we don't even know if we're going to be able to issue notice to appear. We can't keep up with what we have. We have the capacity to hold 10,000 people. That's what our that's what our limits are. We're currently holding 28,000 people. That means we're stacking people on top of people. When you heard about kids in cages, when, when they claimed that President Trump was putting kids in cages, you ought to see our holding facilities right now. It's 100 times worse than we ever dreamed it would be. I never in my worst nightmare would have believed that we could get to the point that we're at. And yes, it's just going to be mass releases into the United States. We're not going to be able to properly vet these people. We're not going to be able to verify where they're coming from. It's going to be very dangerous, and the American people are going to pay for it. I want to talk about this so-called enforcement operation that was supposed to happen yesterday, but they essentially announced it in a press release, so the entire element of surprise was essentially blown. And you've got these people in El Paso that were given pamphlets and woke up to pamphlets saying to turn themselves in. I have a clip from our Fox News team that captured one of these illegals and how seriously they took that pamphlet. Let's take a listen. I don't know who gave me this. They had no identification. They had a gun and a badge, but I don't know. I'm not going to turn myself in. So, Brandon, I want to talk about just the brazenness, the shamelessness of all of this. And these people don't care. They're given this pamphlet. I mean, what was that pamphlet? Did it mean anything? Do we really have operational control of our border as Mayorkas continues to tell the American people? The pamphlet was a complete joke, and everybody knows it was a joke. The problem is, is, we, is law enforcement is now permeated with activists. We have activists that are running our agency. And any time that you have activism in law enforcement, you're going to side on you're going to side with criminals. And that's what we saw in this case. We told them we were coming. We told the criminals, the, the element that, that have serious criminal records, go hide before we get there. It got so bad that this operation actually had to be shut down because everybody dispersed and there was nobody there left to take into custody. That's activism within law enforcement, and it should never happen. So what happens next? I mean, Title 42 hasn't even expired yet. It expires tomorrow. We already know that there is tens of thousands of people amassing, ready to come in. What happens starting tomorrow and in the next several weeks? What do Border Patrol agents have to prepare for if they can prepare for anything at all? Uh, we got to be we got to be prepared to do administrative work. We got to be prepared to be pulled out of the off of the border to take care of, of thousands and thousands of people. We're going to be doing a humanitarian mission rather than a law enforcement mission. We were never supposed to do. We were never supposed to be doing that. We're not equipped to do that. We are supposed to be protecting the American people. Every single law enforcement officer throughout the nation, it doesn't matter whether it's DPS, local, county, or Border Patrol agents, we put that uniform on because we want to protect the American people. Unfortunately, under this administration, the rule of law has completely gone by the wayside. And what's funny about that, it's laws that keep us safe. It's laws that make us free. Laws don't restrict us. Laws enhance our freedoms, yet you constantly see this administration go more and more to the left, which takes away from our freedoms. We do not want to become countries like Venezuela, like Cuba, like all of these countries that these people are supposedly fleeing from. We're going to be to that point as well if we do not start enforcing our laws, if we don't start 
going back to the to the thought process that the rule of law makes us free. So what do you say to those people, the airheads out there, the morons like AOC and others that say all of these people coming through have legitimate asylum claims and by law we have to let these people in? What's your response to that narrative? I would point to that individual in Texas that was here illegally, that had been deported four times previously, that just killed five people, five innocent people he just killed. That's the effects of not following the rule of law. They can claim that illegal aliens commit less crimes by percentage than, than what United States citizens do. That's a red herring. It doesn't matter. That person should not have been here in the first place. He shouldn't have been allowed to kill those, those five people. And if he would have been properly prosecuted, he wouldn't have killed those people. We have got to protect the American public. That's what law enforcement is about. And if we don't get back to it, it's going to be the public that suffers. You're right. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. We just hope we can clean up this mess if we should be so lucky, so fortunate as to get someone in that White House that's going to do something. But we've got a couple of years before that's even an option. So now I want to talk about what Mayorkas is saying now, because we know that Texas National Guard is down there trying to physically prevent people from coming in. I saw the video from Bill Malusian, Fox News this morning, physically standing there trying to prevent people from just bum rushing in. And we've got Mayorkas saying that they don't know if, if that's legal or not, and they're going to go through the proper, proper channels, which says to me they're actually going to go after Texas Texas National Guard and these National Guardsmen and women for standing there trying to protect and defend their own state. Do you think that's what's going to happen? And what can you tell us about what Texas National Guard is doing at the border right now? I know it's going to happen. What they're going to do is they're going to file a lawsuit uh, against Governor Abbott. They're going to name these specific individuals that, that took the proper enforcement um, posture. They're going to go after them personally, and they're going to go after Governor Abbott. Thank goodness we do have a governor that's willing to stand up and try to protect not just the, the citizens of his own state, but the entire United States is what he's trying to protect. We can expect that the ACLU, we can expect the outside groups like this, we can even expect that the DOJ, our own federal government, is going to go after this governor. Yeah, well, I say screw them. Screw them all. They're not protecting and defending our country, so why should Texas sit back and abide by their petty little laws when they are not abiding by the law of the land or immigration and protecting defending this nation from what appears to be a mass invasion. But you know what the Biden administration is going to say? They're going to say that they have operational control and they're doing something about it because they sent 1,500 active duty troops to the border. Brandon, what can you tell us about those 1,500 active duty troops? Are they really protecting and defending our border? Absolutely not. All you have to do is look at the mission parameters. All you have to do is look at the White House said that they were going to do. White House said that they're not going to come in contact with any person that crosses the border illegally. And if they don't do that, they're, they're not going to alle alleviate the administrative duties that are placed on Border Patrol agents. Every single thing that we do, whether it's administrative, whether it's enforcement, we come in contact with individuals. On the administrative side, we process, we transport, we do hospital watch, we do detention security. All of that requires us to come in contact with illegal border crossers. So if the, if the National Guard is not going to take over those those duties, then it's not going to free up any of our resources. And that means the border is going to be wide open and the cartels are going to control it. Yeah, 1,500 troops doesn't really mean much when you've got 10,000 plus a day coming in. But I want you to explain something to the American people as well, because I think that there's a lot of confusion about exactly what happens when an illegal comes into this country. So if an illegal immigrant comes into this country, they claim asylum, they get across our border, they are processed, and they say, oh my gosh, I have a broken arm. 
then who pays for that illegal immigrant to go to the hospital and get treatment for said broken arm? The, the taxpayer, unfortunately. Of, of course, it all falls back on the taxpayer. Everything that this administration does falls back on the taxpayer. And that includes law enforcement operations or the lack thereof. When, when you look at illegal immigration, the amount of money that it is costing the American people is astronomical. And then on top of that, it's, it's after they get past us. Once they get released into the United States, now we're giving them work permits. We're allowing uh, children to go to school. We're allowing them to, to apply and, and get uh, approved for, for social benefits, such as welfare. Everything falls on the taxpayer, and it never should have been like that. That's why we're ultimately going to, if, if we continue down this road, we're going to become just like Venezuela, just like Honduras, just like all of these countries that these people are fleeing from. Last thing I want to ask you, and I'm sure I already know the answer to this, but how is the morale among the agents? When you talk to them about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what do they tell you and what do you tell them to, I guess, console them as best you can during this time? In my 25-year career, I've never seen morale lower than what it is right now. Five months ago, I didn't think it could have sunk any lower than what it was back then. It continues to go down. Make no mistake, we're going to continue to do our job. We're going to continue to put that uniform on. We're going to continue to go out and try to do the best we can to protect the American people. But we feel defeated. We feel demoralized. We know that this administration does not support us. Not only does the administration not support us, but they actively vilify us. They actively go after us. If we do our job, they say that we did something wrong and they accuse us of committing criminal acts. All you have to do is look at what President Biden did with those horse patrol agents. That's how bad it's got. Demonize, undermine. You know, I was here in Nashville and I had a Border Patrol agent from El Centro come to Nashville on vacation last weekend and he approached me almost with tears in his eyes saying, Tommy, next week we have absolutely no plan. We don't know what we're going to see. We don't know what we're going to experience. We have no plan to deal with the influx that we are going to see at that southern border. And the man was a full grown man, over six foot tall, tears in his eyes because this is the career that he has spent his life working towards. And now he feels literally helpless to defend this nation. But I want you to know, and I, I tell your agents this all the time when I have the opportunity to speak with him, thank God for what you guys are doing out there. Thank God for you and Art and others out there being the voice of reason in all of this. We appreciate you, we support you, and we're gonna do everything we can to get you guys a commander in chief that gives a damn about you and your mission. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Very much appreciated, Tommy, thank you. Still ahead, it's shaping up to be a no-good, dirty, rotten week for Bidens, but will any of it make a difference for 2024? I've got Deputy Opinion Editor of Newsweek, Batia Unger-Sargon, on deck with her take next. There's not a Fortune 500 company in the world looking to hire a CEO in his 80s. So why would an 82-year-old Joe Biden be the right person for the most important job in the world? Because I've acquired a hell of a lot of wisdom. I know more than the vast majority of people. I'm more experienced than anybody's ever run for the office. And I think I've proven myself to be honorable as well as also effective. Oh, boy. Well, the left is known for changing definitions of things to fit a narrative. So I guess dementia is now the same as wisdom. Whatever you say, Joe. But guess what? Joe is slipping in the polls like real bad. Honestly, the fact that 10 real living people would vote for him again is astonishing, truly. 
But as he slips in the polls and he slips in the old membrane and his son faces indictment and house oversight that may very well implicate the big guy in a massive bribery scheme, will the Democrats stay the Brandon course? Joining me now with her take is deputy opinion editor of Newsweek and author of Bad News, Batia Ungar Sargon. Batia, it's great to have you. Uh, I'm so happy I had to talk to you about all this breaking news today. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope you don't mind me sharing my how I initially became aware of you with your audience, because um, I think it's such a great story. But I first became aware of you after seeing you have that conversation with Trevor Noah. And I was very woke back then. I was working at a liberal media outlet and I came into work that morning, the next morning. And I was like, you guys, there's this incredible woman named Tommy Lauren. She walked into the lion's den and she just sat there and she was so gracious and graceful and wonderful. And Trevor Noah was so rude to her. And they were all like, what? They totally saw it the other way, obviously. But I think that that was sort of the beginning of the end for me in that context. And you had said that you don't see race. And he tried to cast that as a sort of racist comment. I just want to tell you, Tommy, I am now reporting a book on the working class. I interview working class African-Americans every week. And that is almost the first thing that so many of them say to me, we need to get past this. I don't see race. They see that as a badge of honor, just like you did. So anyway, all of which is to say, I'm so thrilled to be here with you. Well, I always appreciate seeing you, of course, in the building at Fox News on One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. And you and I have had so many great conversations in the green room. When we're discussing mm -hmm. everything that happened this week, I really want to get your take because I know that you said you're formerly woke. I know that you wrote a book on how wokeness <laughs> is basically destroying everything. But I know that you live yeah. in New York City. I know that you run around in liberal circles to some extent. So I want to know what all of this is going to mean for 2024. And I want to start with the breaking news today. I have a clip I want to play for you. The mainstream media, uh, surprise, surprise, they're ignoring it. But there is major revelations in the Biden pay-to-play pay bribery scheme. Let's take a listen to what they found with these bank records. Instead of being with, honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020. And he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. So this is some pretty big news. So we've known about the evidence piling up for months, if not years now. But the fact that James Comer and House Oversight actually has these bank records showing tens, uh, $10 million, millions to Biden family members, including a grandchild, all right, that's really hard to explain away. Do you think the media is going to be able to run enough cover to let Joe escape this one? Um, I don't, I wouldn't expect seeing a lot of this in the liberal mainstream media. I don't expect CNN to spend a lot of time on this, if any. Um, I will, however, caution Republicans from thinking that this turns 2024 into a slam dunk. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the 2022 midterm elections were not that long ago. And poll after poll showed that the American people's top concerns were immigration, crime, and inflation. 
And on all of those issues, they gave the president and his party just, just abysmal marks. And yet they still did not overwhelmingly give Republicans a victory because they did not trust that the Republicans had good plans on those issues. And so to me, when I see these polls about people not feeling confident in President Biden's mental acuity or seeing this corruption coming out, you know, yeah, of course, this stuff is, is really shocking and it's really important that we take note of it. But at the same time, you know, the American people are hurting and what they want is to see where where is the plan for bringing down the price of hamburger meat? Where is the plan for bringing down the price of eggs? Where is the plan for getting us out of this situation where we're funding a war in Ukraine? So I would just say to Republicans, you know, the American people want to see a plan. You know, they want to see what is your plan for immigration reform? Like, tell us in words we can understand how you're going to fulfill our needs and make our lives better rather than just pointing out how terrible the other side is. Because if they don't have a plan, I think we might see a very similar situation to what we had in 2022. I don't disagree with you. And that's the sad part. But I want to get your take on this, because this is something that I understand, but it still infuriates me. How come Running up to the 2016 election and then all through the presidency of Donald J. Trump, they went after him with everything they could in the kitchen sink. All right, impeachment, impeachment, quid pro quo, collusion. I mean, everything. He's a Russian agent. And that stuck to him. And the average American, because they saw it so much, it was reported on so much, the average American who only watches liberal mainstream media, they actually felt that Donald J. Trump was a criminal and a crook. And now the charges against him, I mean, they keep coming. You saw yesterday that he is not liable for rape, but he's still liable for $5 million for defamation. We know the indictment now about uh, the, pay, the pay off the porn star. We know that there could be an upcoming one in Georgia. So why is it, Batia, that Democrats are able to cast such a shadow on Donald Trump and voters care, but then those same voters don't care that the Biden family, including the big guy himself, could be taking millions from the Chinese Communist Party and other entities? Why is that not worthwhile for the voter? Um, I, I, I think that they have started to see through the media's just appalling bias. I mean, just a, a data point to back up what you're saying, 96% of political donations that were made by journalists were made to Democrats, right? 96%. So we have a situation where 96% of our journalists support one party, um, which does not get, spoiler alert, 96% of the support of the American people, right? Um, and I think that that gap is starting to show up, especially around polling about credibility in the media. The American people are really, they've lost trust in the media. And I think it's precisely over issues like this. You know, you have a situation like, um, like you said, this, this you know, um, President Trump lost yesterday against E. Jean Carroll. Um, he was found guilty of sexual battery, but not of rape. But she accused him of rape, which means that the jury actually did not believe her. Right? Um, they didn't believe her. They believed him. I, I, I think that this verdict was about that um, Access Hollywood tape where he said, you can grab them if you want to. And they were like, OK, he said you can grab them. He probably grabbed her. But they certainly didn't believe her 
that he had raped her. And yet she is now on all of the shows on CNN and MSNBC giving these, you know, um, um, interviews in this breathless fashion about how this is such a victory for the Me Too movement. The woman was believed, the woman won, but the woman wasn't actually believed. And I just think people are really starting to see through that. We have never had a situation in this country where trust in the media was this low. And, you know, this is why. Trust in the media, trust in the White House, trust in our institutions mm -hmm. like the CIA and the FBI. I mean, the list goes on. We are being lied to. We've been lied to for years. I think people stopped caring that they were being lied to during COVID. I think that they were so used to being lied to that it's become almost a conditioned effect where it's like, yeah, we're being lied to, but it's okay. At least we have TikTok. You know, I think that's what's frustrating to me. But I do want to get back to 2024. I think that the fact that Biden could have potentially sold out the vice presidency and now even the presidency for kickbacks for his entire family, I find that deeply concerning. But I think you're right. I don't know if the average voter will. But here's the thing that I think is going to be an obstacle for Republicans, it was an obstacle in the midterms, and I think it's going to be a big obstacle in 2024, and we're not addressing it, and that is Roe v. Wade. And that's these decisions that have come out from certain states about their abortion bans, some of them more strict than others. But I think that's going to be a big liability for Republicans heading into 2024, and I don't know if Republicans have fully realized it yet. You live in a liberal state where I believe a lot of people didn't vote for Lee Zeldin for that exact reason, even though New York was never going to take away abortion. So how do Republicans, conservatives navigate that issue in the next election? It's such a great point, and it's even more frustrating because there's actually not a huge debate among the American people when it comes to abortion. Americans, by and large, agree on abortion. The polling shows that Americans overwhelmingly want abortion to be legal in the first trimester. So after the first trimester support, even among Democrats, just craters. I mean, there's very little support in the second trimester and virtually no support in the third trimester for it being legal. And when it comes to Republicans, over 92% want it to be legal in cases of uh, rape, incest, and mother's health, meaning that there's just huge consensus among the American people. They don't like bans because they think it should be legal by and large in the first trimester. So what do we have? We have one party banning it at six weeks with no exceptions and one party saying, demanding that it be legal until virtually the day before the baby is due. And when you ask Democratic politicians, wh where should the cutoff be? They won't give you one because they really believe there shouldn't be one. So the parties are at the extremes when the American people are here in the middle with this great consensus, more unites us than divides us on almost every issue. And we're sold out by politicians on both sides. I would say that a Republican who said, you know, I don't care about my rating from this place or that place. I'm going to represent my voters. I know what the voters want. You know, first trimester, 15 weeks, what have you. That is going to be a, a pretty popular place to land. If you go any further than that, you're going to be in trouble on both sides. But if you're actually trying to be a politician who's catering to the American people, you know, something like what Europe has, 15 weeks, I think that's really the route to go. You know, I do too. And we had Representative Nancy Mays say something very similar to that a couple of weeks ago. And the Republican Party, the conservative movement, absolutely shredded her for it, even though that is the winning path, saying, let's be reasonable. Let the other side be extreme. That's what I have yeah. long held for many, many years now. I have long held that same position. Listen, you can be personally against something and understand that the government mandating it and being so strict about it is not the way to go. Not only are you going to lose voters, but you're not actually solving the problem in which you say you want to solve. 
Having these extreme abortion bans in certain states is not going to stop anybody from getting an abortion. And if they would just understand that and stop with the worthless virtue signal, they would understand that they could save more life if they were actually reasonable about the approach. But unfortunately, it's such an emotional issue, and I understand why. I think that's going to be a big Achilles heel for Republicans coming up in 2024. But the last thing I want to talk to you about, because this has been my theory, I talked to it uh, about it with all my guests, but I want your take. I think if it looks like Ron DeSantis is going to be our nominee, I think the Democrats will not put up Joe. I don't think that they will risk it. I think that they think that mm. Joe can beat Trump, but I don't think that they are dumb enough to believe, even with all of their electioneering, I don't think they believe that Joe could beat Ron DeSantis. Do you think that they are getting ready to throw him under the bus should DeSantis be our nominee? That is such an interesting point of view. I had not considered that at all. That's really smart, Tommy. Um, I I I try to I try not to prognosticate because when I do, I'm always wrong. And so I try to stick with the past and the present and doing analysis on what is in front of me um, and not predicting. Uh, I, I, it's so hard to see them turning on him, um, just like it's hard to see them turning on um, Vice President Kamala Harris, even though they absolutely need to. I mean, she's been a disaster, but they are buoyed by this sort of um, these identity politics and then also, you know, they want to win, um, but they don't really trust their voters. And so they're always trying to game that system. And there's a lot of, I mean, if you hear Hillary Clinton talking, it's always the voters have failed her, right? It's never that she has failed the voters. Um, th that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, they I, we're seeing now polling that suggests that he couldn't even beat Trump at this point. Um, right. So I think that it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, two years. And um, yeah, I, that's a great insight. I, I'm, I'm excited to see if you're right. It's really interesting. Well, I believe I am going to be right. I don't know if that's good or if that's bad, but I will tell you this, both Trump and DeSantis are going to be in Iowa this weekend. That's going to be a show. You know, never a dull moment. But Bhatia, thank you so much for being here. I hope to have you back and I hope to see you over at 1211 uh, real soon on One Nation or another show. And God bless you and I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Still ahead, I'm not done with the border just yet. I'm about to go the hell off with my final thoughts. And that's next. What's happening at our southern border is a brazen crime against this great nation and everyone in it. So impeach Joe, Mayorkas, all of them for treason. It's time for final thoughts. So thanks pretty much exclusively to Fox News, we know our border is being absolutely overrun by illegals. Sure, the dangerous ones are still sneaking in, which is made easy peasy due to the fact our Border Patrol agents are being relegated to the mass welcome squad. But the rest, the tens of thousands of others, aren't sneaking in. They are strolling in like our southern border is the entrance to Disneyland and our law enforcement agents are flipping Mickey Mouse and friends. Like, hey, how you doing? Welcome to our once beautiful nation. After you finish completely disrespecting immigration law, go ahead and suck us dry while you're at it. You know, I have to go through more security and verification to get into a frickin' AAA baseball game than these illegals do before they tap dance all over our southern border. This is an abomination. These people don't have credible asylum claims. They are taking advantage of this country, and the Democrats who want new voters are aiding and abetting this clown show. Over six million have entered this country that we know of since Biden took office. 
To put that in perspective for you, my home state of South Dakota has a population of around 900,000. So that's over seven frickin' South Dakotas we've led in thus far, and Title 42 hasn't even expired yet. Where the hell do y'all think these people are gonna go, huh? You think the homeless crisis is bad now? What do you think is gonna happen after we import poverty through our open southern border? We have limited resources to begin with and now add 7 million plus illegals to the mix. Boom, disaster. If hundreds of thousands were amassing to invade Ukraine, you think Biden would do something? Someone reminds sleepy Brandon that this is what's happening at our southern border in case he cares to protect and defend the country he swore to protect and defend. And I'll tell you this, if Republicans win in 2024, we better see six million plus deportations and we better see it on day one. And what about our brave Border Patrol agents? You know, my heart breaks for them. Over the years, I've had the great honor of spending time with our brave Border Patrol and Air and Marine agents. I've been to the border alongside these wonderful men and women on five separate occasions, and I will cherish those experiences for a lifetime. I can't imagine what it must feel like for them to have dedicated their life's work to protecting and securing our nation only to be ordered to sit idly by as it all goes down the toilet. Please know the silent majority recognizes and we're gonna do everything in our power to get you a commander in chief who gives a damn. It doesn't have to be this way. This isn't an accident, this is a choice. To all of the immigrants who still have enough dignity and respect to come over here the right way, not some phony ass asylum claim, not sneaking in, not barging in like you own the place, don't know if y'all know this, but we really appreciate you. And for the rest of you, I can't even blame you. You've been invited in by the Democrats. You see an opportunity and you're taking it. You might be tap dancing all over our national sovereignty, our taxpayers, our laws, our order, but you quite frankly don't owe us anything and I get that. We also owe you nothing, but unfortunately, thanks to Joe and Kamala, we've been forced to give you the keys to the castle. And right now, we're pretty damn powerless to do anything about it. But don't get too comfortable, because the second we take back that White House and take back Congress, you'll get a one-way coach ticket to wherever the hell you came from, and don't come back until you're ready to respect this nation. You need to earn the right to call home. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.